0: You uh, spoke of your soul relentlessly pursued in the ark, by the energies of your past, future times and places. And there was a certain awareness that the key to stifling this potentiality from continuing to create and birth the newer physical constructs was to close the eyes of the
1: spirit and cease all thought. Yes, because uh, what, that, what that's portending is, um, again, so I'm being chased And I'm remembering the experience a little bit as you, because it was like decades ago, literally. So it's um, sometimes hard for me to recall because I have so many. Um, But um, yes, you're being pursued by your pasts, futures. All of the energies of your previous constructs are... um, gaining on you constantly because literally none of us escapes the consequences of our actions in one realm or one existence or another it always it always comes to fruit and comes to bear how do we cease that it's when we actually uh take that in breath and realize and recognize that the only uh, manner in which we can achieve purification will not come from us running around trying to find solutions. It comes from us literally, and I want you to envision this, you know, like falling into the arms of God. God is the only one that can purify a soul. One of the things that's happening during this rite is that the soul is beginning to recognize that They are not capable of doing this themselves. One of our, and going again to the multiplicities, one of the uh, mistaken perceptions that we have as human beings is that um, we as an embodiment contain all this knowledge. And so therefore we can do it. We can do it. Yes, we can. But we don't recognize that without adjoining the energy of our own construct to that of God himself, we won't be able to do it. We can have certain realizations. We can see all these things that are kind of bearing in on us, but only God can make that purification occur. It's not an, you know, we have to make an act of the will where, okay, I get it. I'm just going to keep running forever until I just... You fall into the arms of God and you just stop.
0: And stopping and, is, you also mentioned stillness. Yes. Silence and stillness.
1: Yes, there is a great amount of silence and stillness when you take that surrender. When you experience it in the mystical sphere, there is a relief, a comfort. Um, That is beyond words, but the relief I mean, it's literally wow, why didn't I do that sooner? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. You're like, whoa, you know, because you're thinking through your own intelligence, your own brilliant human intelligence, that you can conquer all these things. No, that's not the answer, the answer comes from setting your heart on God and understanding, realizing, accepting and allowing God to then bring about your purification. You're not gonna do it. Your will, your intention, your actions to go in that direction are going to magnetize it towards you. But in the end, you're gonna surrender and fall into the arms of God if you want the purification to reach its final fruition.
0: And you even said in this chapter, living in the heart through meditation, we have ceased to belong to time and having become dead to the world, we are living inwardly with God. We're not subject to change. We don't desire things or fear the contrary.
1: I like that. Yes. There is a state of stillness and peace that comes with this, where the, the cravings, you know, we have you know, buddhists call it cravings in christianity we talk about sins or the desires of the cravings the desires the fetters the things we're all attached to those fall away we find that we achieve a joy in the spirit alone
0: i have a quote here just to finish up since uh, yeah, we could do a whole documentary on the 16th mystery. <laughs> yeah. so this is from uh, Noah's Ark, Hugh of St. Victor, 1141. Okay. The Apostle said, The fashion of this world passeth. The form of this world, the appearance of this world, the beauty of this world. For there is another world whose fashion does not pass. Nor does its form change, nor its appearance wither, nor its beauty fail. That world is in the world, is in this world. And this world is less than that world, for that world contains him who this world cannot contain. Eyes of flesh see this world, the eyes of the heart behold that world after an inward manner. In this world, men have their pleasures, but the delights in that world are ineffable. In this world, men run after and applaud vain shows, but in that world, they are occupied with inner silence and the pure in the heart rejoice in the sight of the truth. That's nice, that's Noah's
1: RQ of St. Victor 1141. Yeah. Very well written by him, very well written. I mean, it really sums it up.
0: <laughs> so much. The Ritual of the House of the Mysteries and the Garden of Eden is the 17th mystery to fix our eyes on the perfection of God and allow that perfection to energetically bring forth all which we are both good and evil. You spoke of the floating garden of Eden and this. Yes. That sounds amazing.
1: Yes, it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, there, there, you know, I, I forget and I take it for granted that yes, there's this, you know, Many of the holy moments in time and history are preserved somewhere mystically. So, for instance, the Garden of Eden, there's a mystical Garden of Eden that is in perpetuity in the heavens, just as the Star of Bethlehem, you know, is kept in a particular vault and held for seekers and uh, mystics to see when they are ready to receive that, you know. the The Library of Alexandria yeah yeah very true. um because you have to remember, even though the knowledge may have been lost down here, those scrolls and everything is kept in the palace of ancient knowledge, so it's still there, it's still in existence, um and that's one of the places that I've gone to that's one of my favorite places because it contains all of the Um, scrolls and writings of the prophets, saints, mystics, ages, mystics, and, you know, ascetics, monks, whatever. He spoke Um, of the
0: garden as a gateway. And
1: what did you mean by that? The garden was a gateway. Um, You had to go through several ritual passages to enter first, but the garden was a gateway to a higher thrust of understanding it it is literally one of those places where you're going through the grounded solid understanding of things into the higher finer particulate understanding of things and so when you move through the garden of eden the garden of eden is representative of um, the process of creation itself
0: and you said the primal innocence and perfection. primordial
1: beauty yeah, primor- primordial beauty primal innocence well i'm just you know i'm not reading because i don't know I, yeah, I am um, but I, <laughs> I appreciate you doing that because that helps me to remember the things. primal innocence
0: and perfection of the human soul before the fall of man so i can see yes. how that could
1: be a gateway oh absolutely and you know I went into this further in another book called The Primordial Seed, which is in the how-to series. And um, this, uh, for those who are interested in understanding this even more deeply, there is a set of books right behind me. My headphones won't let me turn, but um, it's right behind me somewhere, right there. The Mysterium Magnum. Of Jacob Bohm. <laughs> and for those who read my books, you know I love Bohm. So <laughs> the Mysterium Magnum starts as a two-volume set. Jacob was was a major, major, profound, profound mystic. He wrote things that are hard for non-mystics to sometimes understand. And that's why in The Christ of the Redemption, I tried to outline and bring out how people can learn to speak the mystical language. But the first Probably the first half of the first volume, if not the whole first volume, is about this primordial innocence of the original construction of the human being in our in our primordial purity before the fall.
0: And what is the fall? And also in this chapter, you said it's it's uh, not the original sin of Adam and Eve that we are accountable, nor are we accountable for the sins of our parents.
1: So, what is the fall? The fall was when mankind made a decision to follow their own will rather than the will of God. And so they fell out of this primordial perfection. Now, you'll see, even with, <clears throat> sorry about my throat, but even with like some of the other elements of creation, like anim- certain animals, they didn't fall out of that primordial. Um, perfection. And so you'll see that they have certain elements that are just in alignment with God's will as to how they exist and how they are to reside in this sphere of existence. We fell out of grace by disobeying God and um, choosing our own wishes and our own wants um, over God's will. Um, A lot of times people don't understand this in the sense of what really happened and why it's so important, because this was literally the birth point of the reincarnation cycle, the the birth point of this cyclic existence we've now fallen into. It was because we did not, we believed in our own intelligence more than we believed in god's will for us and this was the lie that is spoken of in ancient scripture which is that oh god doesn't want you to be like gods he doesn't want you to know good and evil he wants you to you know be in your ignorant state but what god was doing was he was giving us a primordial perfection and purity um, where we didn't have to travel through all those things. But by choosing our own will, wanting to be little gods, we literally shattered off into these little karmic beings now. And that's why we believe so highly in our own intelligence. And, and we're, we're never really getting it because we all, we even put, uh, we actually even, you know, we put words and ideas around these self-deification, even though we're not saying, you know, some people have, but I'm talking about regular people who are not saying I am God. I'm talking about people who are saying, well, it's my right. I can do, well, it doesn't make sense to me. And it's like, okay, but see, this is what we did. We chose to um, believe in our own understanding above and beyond that of God. And so that separated us from him and got us expelled from this perfect, beautiful garden, which was all primordial beauty. So we fell. We fell away from just um, accepting that lordship over our life, which would guide and direct us to, um, to literally just a leading you know, here we talk about life and death. Remember, it was in the Garden of Eden that death was born. And it was born because of man's disobedience. Because you have done this, you will now experience death. You will now experience hunger. You will now experience pain in childbirth. These, all these things were because we had chosen to descend into a lower state of existence than what we were originally created so we're almost kind of like we've all been trying to catch up to that since which is we are trying to bring ourselves back to the original the original creation where we actually do work and move within the mind and will of god to uh, the best of Um, each one our each of our individual capacity to achieve that's what we're actually trying to do in this purification It's purifying not just you know our vices and our things like this but also this belief in our own intelligence this belief in our own you know well that's that doesn't make sense to me and it's like okay but you you know men do not see as god sees you know there are words within the gospels and within the sacred scripture that contain within them much greater understandings than many of us see when we originally read them but think about this man man does not see as god sees and so what's happening in this uh, particular experience the 17th mystery we are now uh, bringing forth and this is this is one of the painful parts of the process that we're bringing forth not just we're bringing forth what is good within us and what is evil within us why because for the purification to occur we will have to um understand the darknesses we have embraced and Understand why we have been attached to them so that we can hopefully remove those attachments, those cravings, those fetters, those sins, and alter them so that then God will purify us and transform that into something higher. What we are learning all throughout the purification path is how do we re turn to that primordial place where God moved through us rather than we just became a separate little karmic triangle that had to have its own way you know we're children you know so you know there's you know you can use the concept of even just understanding the human birth cycle in in souls in terms of where we are at here in this world we're we're children we're like little self-willed children we all want what we want we think that we have a right to whatever we want and we think we're all really smart and therefore we are right about what it is we want <laughs> you know but we have not recognized that we have separated from the source of all knowledge and wisdom so you know 99.9 if not more of what we think do or believe is based on that lack of connection with god himself it's our self-intelligence and again years ago i spoke about the lord demon and the lord demon being the king of self-intelligence you know he Mm -hmm. convinces us to be arrogant in our own beliefs our own intelligence over gods and that for anyone to believe in God, boy, they would have to be, you know, pretty stupid and, you know, small-minded. But that's that's a demonic suggestion, and it's but it's very prevalent in our world. And this is why, because we want to deify our own belief in our own intelligence rather than to do the work which would actually um, break all of that apart and slowly bring us back in unity with God, who is the source, going back to your example, of everlasting light. And what happens in the mystical sphere that is different for us is that we see it. And so when you talked about this one person's book, what was it called? Testimony of Light? That's right. And she's talking about how they are experiencing that holy wonder when these beings from higher spheres come down to teach them. "Oh, you experience this all the time in the mystical sphere. So you experience what is holy in a different way than you experience what is stupid, what is human, what is grounded, what is vice. Um, and so we experience that energetic truth. And it is made known to us just by the very nature of its holiness and light as it is presented to us because our human intelligence is that flawed, we would not see. So let's say, let's just ask the question because it's a good question. I've had mystical experiences about it with souls in the afterlife who were given this as an opportunity. Let's say Christ walked up to your front door and knocked on your door today. And I place the question before myself as well, because I do think that we're all uh, very vulnerable to this. So would, would any of us recognize his holiness just by looking upon him? Would we be like, oh, you want to sell me a dictionary, or you want to sell me, um, you know, you want to sell me something, or whatever? Most of us would not recognize it here. And that's because we are not sensitive energetically. We will not have that glorious moment. There may be some people who who might, just like in the time of Christ, where they had the Holy Spirit infused into them this knowledge of who he was, but he also equally brought forth wrath and ire from a huge proportion of people, many of of whom participated in the crucifixion later. And so in the mystical world, uh, you are very, you're given that very special gift of the Holy Spirit where You do feel that holiness, and so it's just placed before you, and you know what it is without question, whether you understand it in your human intelligence or not. You see, Mm -hmm. we've deified human intelligence as well, you know. So, this is an example of what I'm talking about what that, that knowledge is energetic, it's not words, it's not. Arguments that we can prove it's energetic. So, when you know an angel comes to you and touches your hand, and you feel the power of God come through you, you understand that truth. Whereas, if a messenger in this realm came to you in a body and held your hand, you may or may not recognize that. Because your human intelligence may be in the way. So, um, you know, that's kind of a long-winded response to what you're
0: saying. Also, we're in this energetic realm. And so we are only able to have certain kinds of thoughts. When you talk about some of the lower realms where, you know, whatever we are, that's where we go. That's what we're attracted to. Uh, when we pass from this life and such let 's say so let 's say I go to a certain realm, and throughout my life i 'd been in this chaos or whatever, so I go to this chaos realm so those are that 's how my thoughts work and then, so if something comes in there, my thought press that 's of a higher vibration and i 'm not used to thinking that way i 'm not even going to recognize that it 's there, like when they said um, when ships came over on the east coast for the first time and as um, they're not, and they and the the natives weren't used to seeing ships. They couldn't see the ships.
1: Yeah. You heard that,
0: uh, yeah. If that's true or not? I don't know uh, how they communicated to the to the natives and said like, "Were you able to see us when we?" No. No. Let's write that down. Yeah. back? <laughs> mm, <that's laughs> but but you, you have spoken many times about going to different realms where their energy and their thoughts work at a certain level and it's the same with this mortal realm that we're in and so just like when you have gone on all these journeys through your mystical experiences you've gone to many places where you have come into their realm with a completely different energy just um, i don't mean to say this in the same sentence but just as when we were in a very dark place when jesus came here to visit this was somebody Coming into our realm where we were lost to try to give a roadmap, whether it be parables and his teachings and such, it's just his energy to help raise
1: up, not just Well, a and this is person, an excellent but, place wow. to bring up something, another element of the spiritual, you know, redemption and transformation, which is faith. So why don't we see it? Why don't we, why don't we see it? Well, because we are not um, uh, perfecting or purifying or um, heightening our higher senses most of the time. That's usually why people won't see that. But in the time of Christ, John the Baptist, he saw Jesus walking towards him and he said, (coughs) That's the one. And he said, I see. I see the dove, you know. I see the Holy Spirit above his head and God the Father saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So what's the difference there? John the Baptist was living in the desert and he was going through the purification process. He was also obviously called to this. So, but he was able to see it, but let's take it to the next level. And so what did he say next? He said, follow him. And the people had the faith in john the baptist to listen to what he said it's very important and i'm getting slammed energetically here Um, they had the faith (coughs) so what does that mean this is where we come into the mechanism of faith which is sometimes very hard to get people to understand they understood that john the baptist was a heightened individual they had Faith and understanding of that. They had the humility to recognize that if he saw it, that even though they did not, they were going to have faith in his words and they were going to follow him. Why is that important? Because this is part of how we override our own self-intelligence is through faith. Remember how Christ would talk so much and in our Christian faith and in a Catholic faith, the the aspect of faith itself is given such high honor, how important it is that we have this faith. Well, this is why, because faith gives us the ability to recognize, the humility to recognize when someone or something or some whatever, is happening that we don't understand that our own self-intelligence cannot define for us that we have the ability to put it aside and say well um i i believe in the holiness of this individual or i believe in the holiness of this uh, apparition that i've received from god that even though i don't understand that they're probably right, but I'm going to do the study and the work to get there myself. So, like for instance, I'll just give a, a random example. Um, when you know, when I was going through my conversion to the Catholic faith, I developed this understanding because I would study a lot of different things and then come to the same conclusions um, based on really understanding the the wisdom i got to the point where it's like okay well uh john paul ii is saying something now that doesn't make sense to me but i believe in his holiness and he's probably right because he usually is so i'm going to assume that he's right and i'm going to follow up with the study to help me get there to help my understanding reach where he Uh, came to that conclusion. Um, This is part of, and ironically, in our world, which is a purgatorial realm, um, we honor that self-intelligence. And that is often why some people will say negative things regarding faith because they don't recognize faith as an energetic alteration that we make, which allows for us to receive of something greater, something more holy than what we personally know. You know, that is what we're doing when we are entering into faith. It's an action which allows us to accelerate by acknowledging, okay, well, Christ said it. Um, I have good reason to believe he knows more than me. So if I don't understand it, I'm going to accept that what he said is probably true. And I'm going to study my way to understanding why it's true. But I'm going to start there. Or at least
0: possibly true. Because Mm -hmm. there's a ceiling that we create with our thoughts. If we think that something is not possible... Or, oh, right. this this is how it is. Kind of like if we think of the ceiling or a skylight or something that's that can go. What's the you know? If this were possible, then it's like it opens up a whole door, a whole realm of of possibility. Obviously, that wow. So then we can go to these potentially to these other places. But if we're closed in with oh no, it's only like this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Unless <Exactly>. you're dumb. <laughs> that's very true, and you know. Um, that's what Christ was doing. He was bringing this pattern into this pattern, uh, you know, because he was who he said he was. He was bringing a pattern into the physical world, making energetically possible here something that did not exist here before. And this is redemption. And, um, and that's the simplified, obviously, word to use for it because <laughs> there's a lot more to it. But he brought in an energy that is now available to us, and we have to... You should write
0: a book about that, about redemption. <laughs> you think? <laughs> it's interesting that when you go through all the cultures, ancient cultures, it's this Jesus-looking figure that shows up and shares all this, you know, spiritual mm-hmm. knowledge and knowledge of the, everything. And also throughout the universe, in your yes. journeys, they also speak of this
1: absolutely in other worlds and everywhere else as well and you know one of the things you know this kind of brings up again is the prophets saints mystics sages and ascetics of all world religion but also also by the way the palace of ancient knowledge contains not just worldly texts but galactic texts from other worlds and other spheres but um what we what we must remember in the palace of ancient knowledge is the storehouse of all wisdom. It's not just the Christian faith, and, and it, but it's all the faiths, you know, all the writings, Buddhism, like you said, the ancient Alexandrian texts, Hinduism, Judaism, all these things. Um, and in, in saying that, I'm in no way trying to minimize who Christ was because I was also shown that Christ was who he said he was. He stands at the head of this royal family of God as Messiah Deliverer. The others are prophets, saints, mystics, and sages, and saints, and you know stuff. They are holy, but they have a different station. So it doesn't take away from that in any way, shape, or form, but what it shows us is that God always does send those that can receive something of him into every culture around the world. And um, it's usually only in the dogmatic understanding of these different um, faiths where there is a lot of conflict. If you go into the actual mystical context, mystics agree on much more than they disagree on. And it's only to be expected that no two mystics will have the exact same experience for a few reasons. Let's talk about those. (laughs) One being that um, we're all unique individuals and the way that we translate the experiences that we have will be different um, because we'll have different faculties and ways to do that and also different contexts from which to do it. But we also know that um, all the mystics experience many of the elements of uh the mystical world uh very much the same but the other reason for that being important is that hold on i had a brain a brain freeze <laughs> but um the uh, so maybe it's not as so important as i thought it was but we'll see we'll see if i get it right back to me but there was um help me out brian I was saying there were two. Tell me what I just said. <laughs> I will remember where I was going. Well, we were. Ah, I just remembered. We <laughs> Thank you, to say, I told that. you you'd do that for me. My <laughs> okay, but so one of the things that I think a lot of people take for granted is the fact that God is not going to reveal all truth in one human being except for perhaps christ you know who came with this perfect pattern to bring in however for the mystics and prophets and all of these we are going to have different functions we are all going to have a different aspect of god that is kind of like our particular corner to cover that's why reading the ancient sacred texts is so important it's because every one of them contains a different window into god into understanding who god is and so you're not gonna you don't want to have this expectation and some people have this i see this in spiritual counseling i have to correct it a lot which is no but i want to experience it for myself and it's like that's cool uh, you know mm-hmm. we all do but um i'm not going to experience what Kurdi did. So I better go read about it if I want to know. Why am I not? You know, I'm, I have things in my experience that have um, similarities, right? But um, the reason why is because God doesn't have time for that. <laughs> you know? Ain't nobody got we don't time have for that. time for that. Nobody got time for that. It's an arrogant idea. And this is where we get lost, that God should reveal all truth to each one of us individually. And we learn about this in the Old Testament story about the souls that were in the, the in the bosom of Abraham and the one who had gone to Gehenna. And he said, I want to go back and tell my brothers, please let me tell my brothers there is a hell. And the Lord says, they didn't listen to Moses or the prophets. They won't listen to you. Mm-hmm. This is a direct admonition to us, telling us, listen to Moses and the prophets, because God is giving us um, vital information, vital things we need to understand through them. But what he does is he has each one of us um, take part in a different aspect of God, because God is so huge that we'll never understand him in our human form. We may not ever understand him, even as we cross into the next life, because we will always still be um, a different, um, you know, an offshoot from God. But literally you think the the text behind me this is all mystical theology back here all these mystical writings of, of these people and over there and over there in that room and then in that room so you know you've got a lot of these but these are all different windows of perception into god and how god moves and acts